0: Welcome to the Queer Romance Readers Discord Server Spotlight Talk of Must Love Silence by Lucy Bexley. I am Rachel, a server moderator, and I'm here with Ella, also a server moderator, and we are so excited to be joined by the author, Lucy. Hello, Lucy.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into the questions, and Ella has the first one of those.
2: Yeah, so to get us started, um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing.
1: Sure. So I'm Lucy Bexley. Um, I live in Boston um, with my wife and our dog and our cats. Um, We live in a very cute neighborhood called Jamaica Plain. Um, And and in terms of writing, I've, sorry, I have like a really bad echo here. But um, in terms of writing, I've always been a reader Um, so I think that's sort of how it started and then I wrote a lot in college. I actually have um, an undergrad degree in creative writing and then I took like a big break from writing after college and then I only got back into it a few years ago. I started with fan fiction and then I just started publishing last year so Muscle of Silence was my first uh, full-length novel
2: I always love it when I hear that authors have come from like a fandom background and have done fanfic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love fanfic. I think it's like such a fun way to write and get feedback, but also just to like, you know, engage with things that you love and to kind of rewrite stories that you <laughs> want it to be maybe a little different.
2: Can you describe your writing process to us?
1: Sure. So (laughs) I guess I would say it's variable um, and that I tend to be kind of a messy person. So I feel like my writing process changes every time. And that's partly because I'm kind of disorganized Um, in terms of stories, I I usually start with um, an idea or a character. And then I try to make an outline, which I usually deviate from pretty badly. But then, yeah, I just have like a lot of ideas that I'm either writing in the margin of a novel I'm reading or writing in my phone notes app. And then I just try and um, draft and then organize into scenes and chapters that make sense. And then those go out to friends and beta readers and then eventually my editor who fixes all of my mistakes. I'm quite impressed that you're
2: able to write on the go on your phone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's only because I'm. I just have ideas at random times, and I tend to always have my phone with me.
0: Oh, Lucy, for people who may not have read Must Love Silence yet, what do you think they should know about the book, and why should they give it a try?
1: Oh, uh, that's a fun question. So, um, yeah, Must Love Silence is a book about. Reese, who is an audiobook narrator. Uh, she's kind of like an introvert. She um, lives in this apartment in Chicago, and she really doesn't leave it much. And one of the reasons she likes being an audiobook recorder is because she can do that from home. But um, the promise of the book is she, she gets this bill uh, for her sister's rehab, and she doesn't have the money to pay it. And so this opportunity presents itself to go to New York and record Arden Abbott's latest book. And Arden is sort of this big time author um, poised to make a comeback. So Reese is pushed out of her comfort zone. Um, She goes to New York, meets Arden. They sort of clash at first. Um, I would say One of the things I I really like about this book is the way both characters grow but don't change who they are. So they sort of, you know, end like they end the story who they are at their core. But there's like a lot of growth and change and like room for understanding. Also, I think, as you mentioned, um, the humor. Um, I tend to always, always incorporate jokes into my story. So I think if you like kind of rom-coms, you might like it.
0: Yes, I agree. It is such a funny book. I mean, it, without being ever like absurd, um, it's so funny. I think that's really hard to have a book that is ultimately because sort of has a serious tone and there are serious themes, but almost every page. I mean, it's just because Reese's voice is so is so Reese, and she is so funny. <laughs> in her like very relatable (laughs) I would rather be at my apartment alone kind of a way at the beginning of the book Um, so I I agree with everything you said and then some so I think um, I think anyone would enjoy it but especially people who like uh, sarcastic humor
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Reese is definitely pretty pretty grumpy so (laughs) Um,
0: but yeah she's got an interesting
1: way of sort of looking at the world and making sense of it
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering if you know, know. where did the idea for Must Love Silence first come from, if you can remember the original seed of the idea?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I I had this idea that I um, wanted to write a book about a woman who, like, didn't leave her apartment. So I had this, like, original first line that came to me, which I didn't end up using in the book, but it was... um, Reese was on a glorious streak. She hadn't left her apartment in 276 days. And so I really want to explore like that character, right? Someone who hasn't left their apartment in 276 days and sees that as like this incredible streak of luck that they're having, that they're not having to like leave and interact with the world. So I just wanted to explore, I guess like that type of personality.
2: And so then what was your favorite part of Miss Left Silence to write?
1: I think um, aside from the jokes, my my favorite part was probably Reese's interactions with Judith. Um, I loved writing the character of Judith and I also loved how much Reese sort of resisted her care. Uh, yeah, so I think just any interaction between um, Reese and Judith were were very fun to write.
2: Yeah, I think we'll talk about her later, but Judith wasn't my favourite secondary characters. She is just a ball of delight.
1: Yeah, and I will say just for people who haven't read the book, um, Judith is Reese's like kind of annoying next door neighbour, <laughs> who she's always trying to avoid.
2: So I'm a really big fan of audiobooks, and I'm sure if anyone's listened to any previous episode of this, they all know that. Um, so when I read the blurb and saw that I followed an audiobook narrator, I just knew I had to read this. So why did you want to write about an audiobook narrator?
1: It's a great question. So one is just, I also love audiobooks. Um, I think they're a really interesting way to to sort of consume stories. Like it's, it's very nice to have a story read to you. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, and then also I was just trying to think of, you know, a job that, that someone who never leaves their apartment could have. Um, and I just really like the idea of Reese, like performing these these books for sort of mass consumption while talking to absolutely no one and never interacting with people.
0: Reese starts out as a pretty misanthropic kind of character. And um, we've talked about this, but some of our favorite parts with humor and her comments and kind of way of seeing the world so you've explained that 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 kind of character was what drew you to writing the book but why do you think that that sort of person was appealing to you as an author yeah so
1: I think I think a big part of it is like I'm I'm definitely an introvert. Like I am definitely most comfortable sort of at my apartment, um not really interacting, you know, big big parties or <laughs> events tend to make me pretty anxious. So, I think I, you know, I wanted to to write about that but in a way that was sort of just like loving and I think um you know, sometimes there's this sense that, you know, characters who are misanthropic or introverts Um, I don't know, like, aren't friendly or aren't funny or, you know, don't really have have strong relationships with people. So I really wanted to write about Reese in a way that was clear that, you know, she has, like, these really strong connections. It's just that mostly she prefers to sort of be alone in a quiet space.
0: Well, I didn't want to accuse you of being that sort of person but it doesn't like <laughs> accuse isn't the right word I didn't want like, you weren't comfortable relating her to yourself I didn't want to ask outright if if there were elements um, of your personalities in common but I'm not surprised to hear that because as a person who would also like to be alone all the time <laughs> I, yeah. I found I found the insight into how that feels and how that Sometimes Reese seems a little self-conscious about this aspect of herself. Like she understands that people are going to read it the wrong way, if you will. And some of the moments where she expressed that, I found really poignant. Like, uh, So um, I wondered if it had to be written from some degree of personal um, experience, because it just did feel so true to what I've experienced on the inside <laughs> when I've been in those situations too. So um <laughs> And definitely the depth of her relationship with her sister, and even though she doesn't like to admit it with her neighbor and and those people that she those people that she knows she does care for, even if she doesn't really want want to care for Judith, like you can tell that she does even before she confronts that. so I um I think that was really nicely done, and I found it. I found it really nice to read that she wasn't, like, repaired by the end of the book. As you said, that's still her personality. It's just that there's room within that for her to um, have a close relationship with someone. That isn't – it's not prohibitive. But it didn't change her into an extrovert either. So I appreciated that about the way her character arc formed.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, definitely by the end of the book, she's sort of like going out a little bit more, but she's still not very comfortable or happy about it. So, yeah, definitely from some personal experience there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We don't have to make this a talk about what it's like to live as an introverted person, but I find that I find as an introverted person, that um, it's like a little bit of a muscle you have to exercise. And so if I had been on a 200 plus day streak of not leaving my apartment, I too would have been overwhelmed at first. But like you have to let yourself, um, you have to let yourself consume company in small doses at all times to create a tolerance. But
1: yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's been like very interesting with um, the pandemic because obviously like I haven't really been going out and you know, we haven't been seeing our friends Um, Mm -hmm. But we're both vaccinated, me and my wife now, and we had friends over for dinner for, like, the first time last week. And (laughs) I realized that I just had, like, completely forgotten how to make, like, (laughs) regular conversation. So it was, like, a mix of, like, you know, tiring and embarrassing and also really lovely to see my friends.
0: Yeah, I understand that exactly. That's really simply but very well put. Those three adjectives (laughs) together. So, yeah. So okay, so here I will ask outright if you are you. as snarky and funny yeah. as Reese because the humor in the book is, is wonderful and I wondered if that was your own sense of humor or if you borrowed that from a person you know or if okay. it was created from thin air because the book has such a unique but really fun voice.
1: Well, oh, thank you. Um, I do think it's like pretty close to my sense of humor. Um, I I definitely have a fairly dry sense of humor. I think I'm a little bit sillier than Reese's, um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's very similar to my sense of humor. So I think if you like if you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> you probably have gotten that sense from me that I'm I'm a little grumpy, um, very sarcastic. But also humour is just like the lens through which I sort of understand the world and everything around me. So I tend to filter everything through jokes.
2: Yeah, I have to say, I think my favourite line, and I of course had to highlight this, was, <laughs> hey, I know heterosexual people have sex, it's just not something I like to think about.
1: <laughs> I mean, really? yeah, that's that's true for me too, so... <laughs> Yeah, I had a blast um, writing Reese's humor. Um, I think all of my books pretty much include humor, but I, yeah, I would say Reese's particular brand of humor is probably closest to my own.
2: So I really like how you deal with the theme of addiction in this, with Arden being a recovering alcoholic. I like how Reese wants to help and support her with it, yet makes mistakes, and so I just wondered why it was important to you to write about these kind of stumbles people make in their attempts to help those with
1: addictions. Yeah I love that question. So um, I'm sober so part of what I wanted to explore with Arden was just sort of that early that early stage of being sober when um, A lot of people are sort of treating you with kid gloves. So, um, you know, one of the things I noticed when I got sober is people were sort of afraid for me, right? Or they were maybe self-conscious about asking me to go out and do things. And I found myself getting frustrated, I think, in the same way Arden does, you know, where, where you want to have your agency still. Um, but also being taken care of a little bit does help. So I think I just wanted to show... Reese trying and um, not always being perfect, but that actually being okay because it's still, you know, really meaningful when people try, even if it's not perfect. You know.
2: Yeah, like because so the, the scene I'm referencing here is that her book launch is in a bar, and Reese is worried that she's having a drink and kind of physically pushes Arden to kind of make her- a. <laughs> great way of dealing with it but I kind of I understood like her her panic around it and I know I feel like in a lot of kind of media that's how you know helping someone is betrayed You kind of physically help them in that way but just seeing how that you know kind of patronizes the other person
1: yeah, exactly. And I mean, Reese's reaction is is informed so much in that moment from her experiences with her sister, who's, who's also in recovery. So, and that's something I've noticed too, that like, you know, when um, friends maybe know someone in recovery, it's easy to conflate those experiences. You know, I think we have this narrative of of what addiction looks like and <laughs> sort of like what rock bottom looks like and what recovery has to look like. And I think it's really easy for those things to to get conflated. And um, I think even when you have like really good intentions, sometimes it doesn't go the way you planned.
2: Now, aren't you one of my least favorite characters. So <laughs> Arden's Asian is just incredibly unsupportive and I think really quite a cool character as she, she puts so much pressure on Arden for the success of her new book, all while doing things like having her book launch Be In A Bar, which we uh, truly um, like, baffled uh, at that decision. So I just wonder where the idea for that character came from.
1: Oh, yeah, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, I just... I wanted a character who was who had basically the opposite approach to Reese. Um, but also, I think that came from, you know, some very real experiences I had when I when I first got sober, because, well, some people were really supportive. Um, some people weren't at all <laughs> like, um, and I think that partly goes back to, you know, the narrative we have around addiction and, and what it looks like. And um, I think there's a sense that, like, people think they'd know, right? Like if you know someone, you'd know if they were struggling with something. So I think what I saw with like some of my acquaintances was (laughs) they couldn't understand um, sort of why I needed to get sober. And so, and I think like my, you know, my not drinking made them really uncomfortable. Like it made them self-conscious about their relationship with drinking. Um, So I think that's a little bit what's happening with Sophia, like, there is this one scene where um, Arden and Sophia are talking about Arden going to, you know, an AA meeting, a recovery meeting, and um, Sophia says to her, you're not like those people, and Arden says back, I am those people. (laughs) Um, So I think it was just like, you know, this fundamental disconnect that like Sophia was not understanding Arden's experience, and really just wanted her to go back to how she was before. Um, without realizing that sort of these fundamental changes needed to happen. Um, And then in terms of like pressure, you know, I think partly that was Arden putting a lot of pressure on herself. And then also Sophia had like some things to make up for, like Arden had kind of crashed and burned. And Sophia's counting on her to to do better to sort of save both of their careers.
0: I also liked the way that the characters kind of while discussing how how like how ardent sobriety is something that like you said she kind of has to deal with again and again every time she's around new people or around people she knows but who forget or who don't appreciate what that means for her that it was it is kind of like coming out how you don't have like one coming out experience you Every time you are surrounded by different people, it's like you have to decide if this is something about yourself that is relevant at some point in your acquaintanceship. It's very—I really appreciated Um, that—that it's—it's like a part of your, a part of you that you feel like people should know about it, but not that they're entitled to know about it just because you're introducing yourself. You know, so I thought that was really interesting, and I liked the way that um, you kind of set that up with. Uh, Reese kind of going out on a limb and try and, and, and kissing Arden for the first time. And Arden reacts strangely. And then Reese is in crisis mode. But then it turns out that Arden's just like, well, if that's where we're going with this, I felt like I needed to tell you that I'm sober and to, to, you know, reveal that to her. So I felt for Arden so much in that, in those scenes. Like that's something that she's dealing with now. Maybe it's still something that's new for her, but, um, for those of us who have had that coming out and when and how many times experience, like it is forever too. So I, I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't um, ever thought of sobriety or other things like that as, as being so similar. But it made it really easy for me to understand as someone who that hadn't necessarily given a lot of thought to what that must be like for someone who is, being past um, an addiction or alcoholism. So. Um that was really that was a lot of me talking and you should be the one talking. But
1: Okay. Um yeah, I wanted yeah. to say like thanks for saying that. Um it wasn't something I realized I was I was gonna have to deal with sort of you know, that continual coming out about being sober. Um but it's it's interesting too because you have to do it in situations where like you definitely don't want to, <laughs> like um so in terms of like my job, like it has this really big sort of drinking culture, like work drinks are a big thing or like, you know, drinks at conferences and things like that. So I've definitely been in a lot of situations where I've had to, you know, refuse alcohol and then have gotten asked questions probably, you know, partly because I'm a woman of a certain age. So I think, you know, people's first assumption generally is that I'm pregnant, which I'm not. Um, So it just, you know, it just snowballs into like this very awkward, Conversation pretty quickly.
2: I know I've had experience of kind of work dudes where, like, say you know a manager's gotten kind of offended that no one else is drinking, and just makes kind of sad comments about it. And just like that, that's not cool,
1: right? Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that like kind of seems like inconsequential if you haven't encountered it before. So like. You know, if the culture is like a drinking culture and sort of everyone drinks, it's it's a non-issue, but then like if only one person is like never drinking, um, it becomes like yeah, kind of obvious. So yeah, those have been probably some of my most uncomfortable experiences <laughs> has been like at work drinks, having to explain to people that I don't drink.
0: I can imagine that that and that are you pregnant question is. So you're so right and it's so infuriating. And as someone who (laughs) was pregnant and was at work pretending to drink a beer so that no one would ask if I wasn't drinking beer because was I pregnant? Because I knew that they would. It's like the same level of invasiveness. It's like if you are or if you're sick or if you're taking medicine that isn't compatible, like there are so many reasons why it's none of your business, you know, including that you don't drink for reasons having to do with like alcoholism or a past experience with addiction. So, yeah, it's such a funny thing, and that it's considered okay to interrogate people about that stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we can all relate. Here we, here we go again. Okay, stop talking, <laughs> Rachel. Um, I have a book question, and it is <laughs> that. Okay. Um, we were talking about this earlier, so we've touched we've on done. on it already, but um, just that oh, Reese's, Reese is expanding her. Kind of her comfort zone a little bit throughout the book was was satisfying, especially sort of acknowledging attachments that we already knew that she had, even if she wasn't going to admit it to herself, like with her neighbor, Judith, who you've mentioned that you adore and we adore. So we were wondering if Judith was a part of the story from early in its inception, or if um, she kind of became a part of the book that you discovered as you were writing it.
1: Yeah, I love that question. So Judith was always a part of the book Um, and I'll tell you, I have these neighbors who, who live above me and they are the worst, like they are so loud and one of them sings like fake opera really loud just all the time. So I sort of, that was sort of the kernel of the idea for Judith. But then I was like, what if those people were actually, like, really lovely people who, even though they annoyed you, like, also really, really cared about you? Um, yeah, so Judith was always in, in the story. And I wanted Reese to have someone who she was, like, so adamant that she disliked, um, who she was then able to realize that they actually, re- like, did matter to her by the end of the story.
0: Oops, yeah. I didn't unmute myself. But yes, I you know, <laughs> I really felt that. I and I think um I too at the beginning I was like, oh Judith. But then uh, the more that I saw of her, I was like, Oh, actually. So <laughs> I progressed along with Reese. <laughs> in the, yeah, in annoying neighbor regards. So yeah, that that I think is um a feature of this book. Like even um even the agent who we dislike, we we see that in her own way, she's trying, you know, she's not a one-dimensional character. She's trying to do things in a way that feels right to her, even if it's really wrong. And that, that comes through, which I think is commendable.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I also, like, I, I always loved writing Judith because I thought she was just, like, a fun character to write. But I think I had, like, a similar evolution to Reese where you know, sort of near the end when um, Judith is helping to take care of Lo, Reese's sister, you you just get this, like, deep sense of, of how much she cares about Reese, and it's, like, it's, like, really touching, I think. <laughs> it felt that way to me when I was writing it. Like, how lovely would it be if you if you felt like you didn't have a lot of connections and, like, maybe... You, know, you don't really have a relationship with your parents and then you have this sort of maternal figure who who lives right by you who is like trying so hard to mother you even though you're resisting it
2: yeah I, I wish I had a neighbor like that and it, I just it's quite nice how it just develops into someone who she thought is quite annoying and then she actually realizes that no, they deeply care for each other it's just so sweet
1: yeah, absolutely. She I mean she's always kind of annoyed with Judith like even at the end when Judith is like busting in with food, <laughs> but <laughs> she does she does realize that she cares for her.
0: So you mentioned that Judith was a part of the story from the beginning and also that the the bill that comes to Reese is sort of which is for her sister's rehab as you mentioned, but just a reminder for those who um who are new to the book that that is what spurs reese to take this job in another city that is like challenges her comfort zone so much but i'm wondering if you always knew that her sister would also be a character that like speaks and is in the story or if um it if was originally kind of off screen or how that developed because for the length of the book, there are a lot of side characters that are substantial. So I felt like that was um, maybe you had to make some choices about who to include and develop.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I I mean, I had the idea of, of Lo and and their sort of sister relationship that I knew I wanted to write about. She definitely ended up having like a much bigger role than I um Initially intended, I think you know I just I liked writing about her and I liked how she sort of kept Reese honest um in a way that not a lot of other people could um, and I just loved how their their relationship sort of turned out. Um, so I can I can tell you I have a lot of sisters um, so sort of that like sister relationship and bond is is always something i I love reading about and I love writing about um. Yeah, so I really want to include that for Reese. And I think it's, like, such a good show, too, of, I guess, like, her capacity to care for people. Even if she doesn't like people in general, you sort of see that she makes exceptions for some people.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated that what Reese learns about her sister, too, is that that they are going to help each other, like, She, you know, she at the beginning seems to feel like the, the rehab bill and all of these things are, are on her alone. (laughs) And so I really liked how that was resolved where it indicated that this is a balanced relationship. Like, you know, we all have in relationships times where one of us needs more support than the other one, but that it wasn't always going to be that way. And so. I, I found that really satisfying to see because I, too, have a sister who I'm close with. So um, I always love sisterhood in books, especially when both of them are contributing to that relationship in a way that is supportive. So I liked that, too, that her sister wasn't just, you know, nameless sister who has problems and is causing problems. So I was glad to see her come into the story more and more as it progressed, too.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, I think you're making, like, a really good point that I, I didn't bring up in in my answer. But I do think, yeah, there's this sense that sort of, like, if one of your siblings, like, um, you know, is maybe in recovery or is an addict or is messed up in the past, that maybe they're just sort of, like, you know, a problem or, or a burden. Um, so it was really important to me to show, like, Lo, like, even if she's... Made a bit of a mess here and there in her life. Like she's still able to like show up and help and like be this like supportive person. Like she's not just like sort of taking and taking from Reese. She's also giving in in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, someone with about five sisters. Always have to count that out each time. I I really do love the the sisters' relationships to each other.
1: Yeah, you have five sisters.
2: Five. Yeah, it was a chaotic household going
1: up. But I have six. <laughs> oh my God. It's like um yeah. half step and full. So it's it's a blended family. But yeah, it's 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 very cool to have a lot of sisters, I think.
2: Yeah, I get to borrow a lot more clothes.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: But I do love because you, you do get those situations with siblings in which, you know, someone in the family will always need kind of more help but it will never just focus on them there's always like that balancing act and I really like that it was
1: shown. Yeah absolutely it's it's always a balance so.
0: So Lucy you've mentioned other projects kind of obliquely when you've talked about um, other books that you are working on or have worked on. So we're kind of wondering if you have any concrete plans of what's coming next from you that we should be looking forward to.
1: Sure. So I've I've published like a couple of books since Muscle of Silence. Um, but I am working on a book right now. Um, and it's about Elsie. And she's um, like a puppeteer on a children's show. So sort of like The Muppets. And Jones, who is coming in to take over the network um, because her father's just passed away, so um, it's sort of the two of them meeting yeah. and clashing and <laughs> figuring it out. Um, I'm probably about a third of the way through my first draft, so it's going to be it's going to be a little while, but I really like it so far.
2: And I have to ask: Is there going to be an audiobook for this?
1: Oh, it <laughs> there <laughs> is one in the works. Um, I'm not sure like how much I'm supposed to say, but I can tell you that there's one being produced. And as soon as I have more information that I know I can share, I will share it. I, um, I don't think people will be disappointed.
0: That's really exciting. And your, your new project sounds really exciting too. Sort of the way that Ella said she would, was, Knew that she had to read Must Love Silence when she saw it was about an audiobook narrator. I hear Puppeteer and I'm like, well, obviously I will be <laughs> reading that book. I
1: don't it's anymore. kind of selfish because I, when I love the Muppets, like I'm a huge Muppet <laughs> fan. And part of it was just me wanting to like do a bunch of Muppet research. I'm putting that in quotes, like, just like watching a bunch of Muppet movies for research because I wanted to. um yeah, but I think it's just like Muppets are so cool and it's like such a fun way to sort of like be creative and silly I guess.
2: So I think we have a reader question but I'm just not sure. Um, oh
0: oh oh in the dinner scene this is very this is a very specific question. Okay so one of the one of the members had a question um when Reese goes and picks up lunch for them and Arden has called and changed the order. So when Reese arrives, she doesn't have enough money and she has that horrible and totally relatable moment of like knowing that she doesn't have, Oh my gosh, that's happened to me before. So, yeah. so hard. And so she goes back like really upset with Arden. Like you, you know, because yeah. again, she doesn't, it never occurred to her to just call Arden and ask for help. Cause that isn't how Reese thinks, especially with people that she doesn't know very well. So anyway, um, she goes back and Arden says that she had to change her order. Because there was something in, because she kind of offhand ordered, like, I'll have the same or something like that when she she was talking about lunch before. But she realized that there was an ingredient that she couldn't have, I think is what she said. And that's why she changed the order. Well, the reader wants to know what was in there that she couldn't have.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, that's a really great question. So she had ordered a salad and it had like a champagne dressing. So there was alcohol in the dressing and she didn't she didn't realize it but also at this point she wasn't like really ready to talk about that with Reese <laughs> but probably would have been yeah. really helpful if she was ready
2: well what what a bougie cafe to have
1: something <laughs> oh my gosh this yeah this cafe is super bougie and no one's very nice there
0: no it is so, oh my gosh which made it all just that much harder and she's wearing like <laughs> funny clothes so she was yes <laughs> because it's like 29 dollars or whatever for the i don't now I live in Kansas so I was just shocked (laughs) salads are five dollars I don't know okay another member server member question is where did the inspiration for the graveyard date come from
1: oh that's such a good question so um that was actually like a real museum exhibit um that like Macro Bay exhibit and it did sort of travel around so it was just something I read about and I always wanted to go see but I never got the chance to go to it while it was still open in New York so also I just thought it would be like a very kind of weird date that um, you know Reese would plan as someone who like doesn't really understand like good social things to do like I think, you know, asking a woman to go on, like, a creepy graveyard date to look at weird stuff is, like, exactly what Reese would think was a really good time.
2: I mean, that sounds like an amazing date. <laughs> I would love to I go. I think
1: so, too. Yeah. I wanted to go to this, but I, I wasn't able to.
2: Okay. So, uh, the final question, um, my favorite. Um, has there been anything that you have read recently that you would recommend to us?
1: Yes, okay. I'm such a big reader, so I'm so glad you're asking this question. Um, So I'm going to recommend a book that's not a romance, and then I'll recommend some romance books. So I've been reading this book called Ninth House, and it's by Leigh Bardugo. Um, It's sort of like this fantasy book with ghosts, which usually I don't read, but it is so good. So if you're looking for a change of pace, I really recommend it. Um, uh, and then in terms of like queer romance, I recently read Nevermind by Bryce Oakley. And that's like a sports romance about um this this soccer star who's who's kind of cocky, and then her name is Sage, and then this really lovely character, Willa, who is um sort of always being taken advantage of by people. So it's like looking at their relationship and it's a, it's a fake dating book. I really love that trope. So I read that one. It was great. I really recommend it. Um, I read One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. That was really great. It sort of, it just came out this week, um, but I had like an advanced copy. Um, it's like a time travel romance about August. She's she's a young um, woman who, who's just moved to New York and she meets this woman on the train and her name is Jane. And then it turns out Jane is trapped on the train and has been since like 19, the 1970s. So it's a really fun book with like a big queer cast of characters and like found family themes. So I really recommend that one. Um, Yeah. And then otherwise I've been beta reading some of my friends books. So I've been beta reading Lucy Dreamer's next book which is very good, and also Stephanie Shea's next book, and that one is very sweet. It's like a chef-foodie romance. I have been so looking forward to One Last
2: Stop. I keep seeing it all over TikTok, and I just want to read it now.
1: It's great. Yeah, I think you'll love it.
2: With Night Pass, that's one I was very proud of because I managed to get one of my sisters who normally doesn't like the Abadugo, didn't like the Grisha series at all, but she loved Ninth House, so I took that as a big win.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this book is incredible. It's like, I don't even know. I think I just was, like, drawn in by the cover, which is, it's like this very creepy, like, black cover with with an iridescent snake on it. It's, it's excellent. I really recommend it.
2: Wow. I think that's everything. It's been so great to talk to you.
1: Um, yeah, really nice to talk to both of you.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, thank you to everyone listening. We will be um, doing the draw for the giveaway uh, soon. So yeah, we'll let those who have one know. And if you, to those who will be listening to the podcast, if you want to join the Discord and talk to us, uh, you can find our social medias at Queer Romance Readers, and we've got links to the Discord server. Oh. And, yeah, it's everything, so goodbye. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye.